before we get out there. This is the last one, yeah? Uh, I'm going to bring up uh, Pastor Kobe Meyer to give us a word. That's you, brother. Well, come on. It's so good to see y'all tonight. It's a, man, we got a lot of people. We got some space in the back here. Maybe we can pull out some more chairs in the back. But uh, Ian introduced me. I'm the TikTok pastor. That's who I am. I didn't want to go out like that, but he did me like that. He did me dirty. I'm, that, I'm the TikTok pastor. You can find me on TikTok. I'm not really, not really a whole proud, proud of it a whole lot, but I feel like I'm already too old for that, man. I'm like, I'm like you know, gear into 30, and it's like people who are like 18, 19, I kind of feel weird now. But it's, it's, it's good content, and we're sharing the gospel, and guess what? Hundreds and hundreds of people are coming to know Jesus. Over, over, over. Listen, you talk about all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Look at this, look at this. Check this out. This is amazing what God can do. What the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. And when you have a global pandemic and people can't gather in person, but there's a God who can work and could revolutionize despite any obstacle that the devil might throw our way. And hundreds, thousands, millions of people have come to know who Jesus Christ is over the digital era, over social media, and it's amazing to see and encounter. We serve an amazing God. We serve an amazing God, and so we're here by the grace of God. And I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm Kobe. I'm, I'm a Canadian, so I might throw a lot of A's around. I might, I might, you might see a lot of syrup on my pancakes. You might see, no joke, Canadian maple syrup. If you don't even know about it yet, let me tell you something. Canadian maple syrup, you need to get it. You need to get it. It's a revolution. It's a game changer. It's the best thing. It's the best thing. You got to get on that. But um, God, I moved here in 2015. God told me to teach the Bible and plant churches. So I moved here in 2015 from British Columbia, Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. Whoop, whoop, little, little town in central BC. Moved here in 2015. I stayed here for a year because I got super depressed because of the weather. It was just like <laughs> a hit. I'm from the sunny Okanagan Valley, and so all the, all the Portland weather kind of took me out. So I went back to Michigan, which wasn't much better, to do my master's degree in New Testament studies. And then I came back here, and we started what would be 2018, 2019, the, the beginning, the early beginning of Bloom Church. And so God has been faithful all the way through, and it's just so good to be here and to see so many familiar faces here tonight. But I, I don't want to talk anymore. I just want to get into the Word, if that's okay with you, because that's why we're here. We're here to read the word and uplift Jesus and, and have, a, have a word from, from what he's saying tonight. And so I got something special for you tonight because uh, God said that you're here for a reason. You aren't here by coincidence. And I think oftentimes the, the enemy would like to think that things just happen by chance, that just by, by, by a naturalism, naturalist philosophy, that things just happen in sequence by chance and coincidence. But I, I believe in a God who has predestined somebody to be here tonight. I believe in a God who has, who has sanctioned, who has ordained, who has set you apart to be here tonight because there's something that he wants to plant in your heart, in your soul, in your mind that you're going to leave here and you're going to bless somebody with it. You're going to change someone and change the world for the gospel. And so that's why we're here tonight, to receive a word. And so if you want to open up in your Bibles, you can open up in your Bibles. We're going to be in the Gospel of John tonight, so you can just get it ready. If you have it on there, we can have it on the screen here too later. But this series is called Salt and Light. And so we're working our way through the Gospels. And what is salt and light? Jesus talks about salt and light. And um, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite movies growing up was uh, Coach Carter. Do we have any Coach Carter fans growing up? Any basketball fans? Come on, we got a few. Oh, yeah, we got a few big six-footers up in here. Come on, amen. We got a few basketball. Coach Carter was like, so, yeah, Coach Carter was so good. Coach Carter, one of these quotes in Coach Carter I listened to, and it was kind of like kind of one of those cliche 
quotes, but the first time I heard it, it was, the first, it was new to me. And it said this, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You are a child of God. I don't know what somebody proclaimed over you before you walked in here today, but I want to tell you the truth, John. You are a child of God. You are a child of the king. You are set apart. You are ordained. You are royal priesthood. There's royalty that runs through your veins because you are a child of God. He says, you're playing it small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. This is the thing. It's in everyone, the glory of God. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Marion Williamson. I just thought, man, first time I heard that, I was like kind of, ooh. Did you know that free people, free people. If you're captive, it's really hard to set somebody else free around you. But when you've been liberated by the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, something begins to happen inside of you. Because as the chains fall off you, you begin to encourage somebody else next to you. You begin to bless somebody else beside you. And all of a sudden, free people, free other people because Jesus is that good to you and me. He puts his spirit inside of us. And we become these royal vessels of this jars of clay that God puts something so powerful inside of us. And Jesus in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus was the light of the world. He's a lover. He's a healer. He's a revolutionary. He's a teacher. He's a preacher. He, he, he's, a, he's a justice worker. He fought for the marginalized and the oppressed, the hurting and the sick. And notice I'm saying he is because he lives, right? He lives. He's not just a historical figure of the past, but he's alive and present and well in heaven. And, and one occasion, a man with leprosy came to Jesus, and he begged him on his knees, and he said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So he reached out his hand and touched the man. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. Another occasion, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put, on, it put it on the man's eyes, and he said, go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing taking five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven he gave thanks and he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over the number of those who ate was about 5,000 besides the women and the children we are literally talking about somebody tonight whose life changed the way we understand times and seasons and dates and years from Anno Domini and B.C. Literally someone who split the calendar into two and how we see time. But check this out. Jesus said, greater works than these will you do. Greater works than these. That's greater, greater works. He fed 5,000. He said, greater works. He healed the sick and hurting. He said, greater works. He gave sight to the blind and the hurting. And he said, greater works. And are we allowing the expectation for our life to be set by cultural, even historical experiences? 
or is the expectation for our lives defined by heaven's great invitation, greater works than these will you do? The question is tonight, how can I be all that God created me to be, right? How, how can I identify the, the reason for my existence, the reason why I'm here? How can I identify and how to walk and talk in my God-given calling and purpose? I want to pop this text up on the screen here. You're holding it down back there, bro. I appreciate you holding it down. That's Morgan, by the way. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. He's holding it down back there. All right. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. (laughs) Solo. Check this out. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Notice he didn't say, you could be. You might be. If you just follow these seven habits for highly effective people, Stephen Covey, if you just do this or that or you buy this self-help book or that, he said, no. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Look what happens. But if the salt loses its saltiness, can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, what do they do? They put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Every time I read this verse, I just think I go back. I don't know about you. I go back. This little light of mine. Come on. I'm going to let it shine. Come on. This little light of mine. Come on, somebody. I'm going to let it shine. Come on. Uh. This little light of mine. Come on. Come on. I'm going to let it shine. Come on, let it shine. Come on, let it shine. Let it shine. One more, come on. Ain't going to let Satan blow it out. Come on. Ain't going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. All night, come on. Ain't going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Keep going, keep going. I'm going to keep preaching. Keep going. And a town, neither do people. Okay, that's it, that's it. We're done, we're done. All right, I can't do it, can't do it. It's too hard. I was trying to stay in rhythm, but it just didn't work. All right. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and give glory. You, you fill me up. And give glory to your Father in heaven. Oh, come on. How can I be all that God created me to be? That's what I want to know. That's, that's, what I, that's, what, that's why I'm here tonight. I want you to know to be all that you can be who God created you for. And I can only do what I was designed to do when I understand what? What I was designed to do. I need to know what I'm here for. Why am I here? What's my, my, my purpose? And one of the most significant questions we can ask ourselves in this, in, this, in this era, in this time, is why on earth am I here? What is my why? Everything else that you do is a direct derivative of answering that question, why am I here? All of your time, all of your resource, all of your energy, all of your output, everything is a result of knowing answer to this question, why am I here? Because that dictates how I live. That dictates how I spend my money. That dictates how I, how I live my, do my finances. That dictates how I, how I, you know, that dictates everything else we do. And so if I'm a hedonist, I believe that the purpose of life, my why, is what? Is to get as much pleasure out of it as possible in the short amount of time that I'm here. Right? 
everything I do will be done with the intent, with the aim, with the goal, with the end result to what? Receive some form of self-pleasure and gratification. If I'm a hedonist, if that's my, my philosophy, that's, if I'm a naturalist and I believe that the entire material universe is all that really exists and reality is only one dimensional and there's no such thing as a soul or a spirit and, and an afterlife and everything can be explained on the basis of natural laws and man is just a chance or a product of a biological process, the human species will one day pass out of existence, then for you there is no freaking purpose, I'm sorry. There's none. There's none. Because that's it. You live, you die, you're done. That's it. If you're a theist, I believe there's a creator God who created the creation, and that would fundamentally change the way, that would radically inform the way I live and do my life. If a personal God exists, if he created a finite material world, if reality is both material and spiritual, and the universe as we know it has a beginning and an end. If the narrative of scripture is, te is a teleological narrative, meaning that it's working towards God's greater purposes, that it has an end to it, a goal in mind that God is divinely bringing about to fulfillment. If human history is the unveiling and movement towards God's greater purposes, if that's true, then that radically changes, that radically alters how I live my life. So I wanna encourage you today, if God is real, don't waste your life. If God is truly real, don't waste one moment doing something that matters nothing. If he's really there, then everything I do has meaning, has significance, has purpose. And you don't need to know a lot of things in life to make a difference for the Lord. But you do have to know a few things that are great and be willing to live and die for them. And people who make a difference in the world are not people who have mastered a lot of things, but people who have been mastered by a very few things that are very, very great. And if you want your life to count, you don't have to have a high IQ or EQ. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have good looks or come from a good home or family or a good school. You just have to know a few simple, glorious, eternal, unchanging truths that if you're gripped by them would change everything for you. And the sad part is many of us don't want to live lives that count because we'd rather live lives that are liked. We'd rather live lives that are comfortable. We'd rather be more liked than make a difference. We'd rather be more comfortable than make a change. And life isn't comfortable anyway, so just surrender that fact and move on. <laughs> I mean, if you live through 2020 and 2021, you kind of figured out this is kind of this kind of suck. <laughs> like this could be, this could go better. It's kind of uncomfortable. My basketball coach used to tell me this all the time. We'd be doing wall sits, right? We'd just be sitting on the, you never done wall sits before, amen? Somebody in the back, come on, say amen. You're working those thighs, and those thighs are shaking, and they're just shaking, and you're just saying, help me, Jesus. I can't hold it. you just back down there. And my basketball coach used to say this. He said, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because the Christian walk is nothing less. 
Too many of us are addicted to comfort, but when you follow Jesus, you abandon comfort for the sake of radically following him and leaving all for the sake of the gospel. Leaving all. So let's live an uncomfortable life that actually counts since we're doing it anyways, amen? Why aren't many of us living the life as salt and light that God designed us to live? Mo, you good, baby. You sweating up there. You good, baby. You good. You can, you can chill out, bro. He's sweating. Come on, bro. He's just holding it down. To the glory of God. Oh, to the glory of God. So, so why aren't many of us living the life as salt and light that God designed us for? And we're going to break this down. We're doing a series, Salt and Light, right? So we're going to break this down because I want you to live a life of empowerment, right, to live the way that God designed you to live. And so we're going to break this down in the coming weeks, right? Next week, we're going to start the, the next message in this series, Salt and Light. But there are a few main reasons why we fail to be the salt and the light. One of them is the fear of man. The fear of man. We have light and we have something to say, but we won't let it shine because of the opinions of others. Come on, somebody. Because of the perspectives. Oh, what will they think about me, sister and so-and-so and brother and so-and-so? I can't say that because they won't like me no more because I like to be liked instead of make a change. You know what I'm saying? So we say these things, right? Other is the sense of powerlessness or inadequacy. Who here has struggled with a sense of inadequacy before? Just raise your hand. Maybe, yeah, you can look around the room and that's about everybody in the room. Right? It's about everybody here. A sense of inadequacy or powerlessness. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. I don't have it inside of me that they're better than me. I don't have the education, the expertise, or the degrees, or the experience, or energy. I just can't do it. Another is comfort. We talked about that. Another is burnout. You may be doing the right thing, but you might be doing it the wrong way. I don't know about you, but I always feel like I'm not doing it quite right. And so God in his grace is trying to radically shift me because oftentimes I'm, I'm living in a way that's not sustainable. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on TikTok, right? I'm on social media. And you get addicted to that stuff if you're not careful because it's not sustainable. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta spend a time in, in shalom. You gotta Sabbath. You gotta have a digital rest, a digital renewal, a digital restoration because many of us were addicted to this thing like it's our God. And I wonder when the Apple phone came out back in what was it, 2010 or something like that? 20, it was, was it 20 cents? Something, something back there, right? Way back. It's a decade ago. Whew. That when it came out, that we would ever wonder how enormous, the, how, the trajectory of everybody's digital consumption would look how it is today. I wonder if we knew. Another is performance. That my results are contingent upon my works. I don't see the, the handiwork of God. I don't see how God is moving in the background. Instead, I'm focused on what I can do to get the result that I want. Instead of knowing that there's a God in heaven who, by the snap of his finger, can do something overnight that I couldn't do in a thousand years. That's the God that we serve. A God who's so powerful. So we're going to break these down throughout the series, and I want you to walk away living that free gospel redeemed life that Jesus has for you. But before the gospel ever told us to go and do, it tells us what? To come and be. Jesus says, follow me. Before the gospel says do, it tells us to behold and to become. The most important, if you're taking notes, we get, got those books we gave y'all. We, we didn't pay nothing for those books. They got the little Bloom logo on. If you, if, you, if you take some notes, write this one down. The most important ingredient to living a life as salt and light is to learn how to just be with Jesus. It's so simple. 
yet why can't I do that? Why can't I just get up in the morning, the first 10 minutes of my day, and just surrender it to the Lord and say, Lord, this is for you. I'm going to step back, and I dedicate and consecrate this time for you and just spend in your presence. If you actually did that, I can guarantee you it will radically change your life. It will shift your perspective that day. Instead of seeing problems, you see opportunities. Instead of seeing challenges, you see ways you can glorify God through that obstacle that we view obstacles as opportunities to glorify God. Just 15 minutes a day will change the way you see your circumstances, your life, right, your finances. I'm going to give God glory, the widow's might. I'm going to give God glory because he's enough. I'm going to give God glory because he can do the most with the little that I have. It's amazing when we spend 15 minutes with Jesus in the morning, what that can do to our perspective. So I think many of us need a perspective shift. And see, we are image bearers of God. It's the Imago Day. We were created to bear the image and sin marred it, but Jesus came to renew it and restore it in each and every one of us, that we become light bearers. He says, I'm the light of the world. Then he says, you're the light of the world. Well, what the heck? Are you the light or I'm the light? He says, I live inside of you. You don't produce, you reflect. I live right here. What are you stuck on? This is not you. This is not about you. When you followed me and made that decision, you gave up what you wanted. And now you reflect my glory to other people. The call of the gospel. It's a call so great. It's a call that's so extraordinary, but it costs us everything. And I think some people sign up for this and they don't know what they're getting into. Well, let me tell you, it means total surrender. Lose everything. Who wants that? Apparently I do. I don't know. Because Jesus has it so much better than anything I could have hoped for or wanted. People said this. I mean, all my friends, they play, they play in the NBA. And people say, I got played with Kelly and Tristan Thompson, Corey Joseph, all my teammates and basketball friends. I had a bunch of Division I scholarships growing up. And people said, Kobe, don't you wonder what you lost? I went to a small Bible college in Lacombe, Alberta instead. You haven't even heard of Lacombe, Alberta. You don't even know what that is. And I said, I feel like God is calling me to the ministry. And they had a basketball program, but it was like peanuts. It wasn't like PSU. It wasn't like, you know, Portland State. It wasn't like Kansas. It wasn't like that. It was a little men's league. A little comb Alberta, the armpit of Canada. <laughs> For real. And they said, don't you wonder what you lost? And I said, I never had a chance to look back at what I lost. Because all I could see was the glory that I gained in Jesus Christ. Was the hope that was set before me. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Frowning upon its shame. The Christ who brings glory lives inside of you. There is nothing that you have lost because the hope of glory lives in you. The hope of glory lives in you. Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. We are called to behold his light. You are called to go out into the world and be the light, but a lamp doesn't burn if it's not filled with what? You need some oil, baby. Somebody looks at your nail and say, get some oil. Touch your neighbor and say, get some oil. Because you need something inside of you before you start glowing. You need something inside of you before you start glowing. So many people are doing it in their own strength, in their own power, producing the light, not reflecting the light. We aren't the source. We are outsourced by heaven's king. 
And so we become what we behold. And if you behold a bunch of trash, come on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because sometimes the music that I listened to back in the late 90s or early 2000s is the same music that when I hear it, the entire song comes back to my mind. Who else is like that? It's like you haven't heard a song for all these years, and then you, you sing a 50 Cent in your head. I don't know. Like, it's so messed up. Like, I'm like, I don't want to listen to that right now. I'm, I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he wants, not drugs, sex, and money and power. I'm trying to listen to the glory of God. Amen. I'm trying to listen to something that's going to lift my soul, not cast it down. Right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, we become what we behold. So we need to behold Christ as priority and as most, most worthy. And there was a mentor pastor of mine growing up and he, his name was Pastor Wayne. And he was a, he was a savvy veteran. This guy was savvy. He, he told me something that I would never forget. He said, Colby, he said, in ministry, he said, there are so many problems. There's so many problems. And if you spend all your time chasing the problem, you're never going to walk out what God called you to. If you spend all your time, he said this, chasing the devil's dogs, you're going to be disappointed. He said, don't spend all of your time and devote all of your energy chasing the devil's dog. See, the devil wants to distract you because he knows that if he can just divert your attention from what matters the most, he knows he can keep you from living out your God-given purpose. He knows it. And so the devil will put people in your life. Come on, somebody. The devil will put relationships back in your life. The devil will put things in your life to distract you. He'll put some finance in front of you to see what you do with it. He'll put some, some people, some old relationship. He'll put something in some circumstances in front of you to hinder you, to keep you from walking out your God-given purpose and your God-given calling. The greater the distraction, I believe, the greater the calling. The devil knows who you are. He knows that you're a difference maker. He knows that the call of God is on your life. He knows that God has called you to something great, and he's going to throw everything he has in his arsenal to get you off the chosen small path of God. This is crazy. Someone came up to me and said, Pastor, Pastor C, I'm praying for you, Pastor. I'm praying for you because I know that God has a big call on your life and you got a big target on your back past it. And I said this, I said it right back at you, buddy, because the devil will take whoever he can get to try to, try to shift me up. He said the devil will take whoever he can get. I don't care because he'll take whoever. If you are a born-again Christian, you have a target on your back. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be the pastor, or you can be the person who comes up and just cleans up. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are born-again Christian, the devil's coming for you. So you got to do something. you got to wear the armor of what? Of God. you got to be clothed in the armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, right? you got the feet, which are the gospel piece. you got to have it all on because the devil's coming your way, and he'll take whoever he can get. But this is what I really wanted to leave you with tonight. Psalm 27, verse 4. Let's pop it up. One thing I ask of the Lord. How many things? How many things? One thing I ask of the Lord. This one thing do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Where's my focus? The one thing. 
Where's my focus? The author and perfecter of my faith. Where's my focus? On the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because if I keep my eyes on him, he's going to get me there. My ship will arrive to its port of destiny right on time. Right on time. Because my heart is orientated, my mind is fixed, my eyes are not looking at the dogs on the side, it's on Jesus, on the author and perfecter, on the one who set the sea, slipped it apart and the people walked through on dry, it's on the Jesus who did all that stuff, made all that stuff happen. It's on the God who can deliver me from my circumstances. The one thing, David said, I'm asking one thing. There's only one thing I'm seeking, to be in the presence of God. It's funny because Luke's gospel says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be given to you, open to you. It's in the context of receiving the presence of God. He's saying if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God's going to give it to you. If you knock, the door will be open to you. That God will give him, give you himself if you ask it, if you seek it, if you chase it. Do you want it? Do you want to be liked? Do you want to be comfortable? It's the one thing. There's another little unique pericope in in, uh, Matthew and Luke. Mary and Martha. I'll pop that up on here because I thought this was really interesting. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet just listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. She was what? She was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. How many of you are Martha? You just, you live in a Mordor where someone else is in Never Never Land. Like you want them to join. You want them to come battle with you. You want them to do some work. And you're just like, what are they doing? Just chilling. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Look what he said. Look what he said. This is crazy. You are worried and upset about what? About what? Many things. But only one thing. How many things? One thing is needed. Oh, come on, somebody. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Better. I just thought about this. Better, 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 better. We should sing another one. Better is one day in your courts. Come on, we do that. No, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. I just, every time, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, one of those, uh, when I read the Bible, it's like uh, one of those, what's it called? Those little, those movies that do the songs? Musicals. Thank you. It's a musical. No, seriously, when I read the Bible, I, I, every time I read it, because no, this is the thing. The mind is being retransformed. So when I hear a song from a long time ago, the Holy Spirit is now regenerating my thinking, regenerating my mind, so that when I hear something, I instantly think about glory. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the invitation that God wants to offer you, is a better way, is a better life, is a better knowing. And I don't want you to mistake business for effectiveness. What you spend years on, I said it, God can do overnight. Martha didn't know that. Don't mistake doing, doing for, for being with. I can work for you, Jesus. I can, I can do all this stuff and not be with you. And that is perhaps the greatest tragedy of all. Doing the work of the Lord, but neglecting the Lord of the work. How many of you are like Martha? You're just a doer. 
you're just a doer. You're the, you're the type A. You're the anxious person. You're, you're a three on the enneagram. You're that person. You're the achiever. You're just the person who just gets it done to the glory of God. We're doing it. And now how many of you here are like Mary? You just like, you just like to be chilling. You're just hanging out. You're the sevens on the enneagram. You're the Peter Pans. You're just chilling in Never Never Land while everybody else is just slaving. That's you. My Opa, my Omi and Opa, my Opa was like the hardest. That's German, by the way, Austria, Omi and Opa, I don't know. But my Opa, he was like the, one of the hardest working guys I know. Like he just worked, 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 worked. And then one time we sat at the table together and my Omi's like, you're always working, George. George, you need to chill out. Like your family needs you. Like we appreciate you for putting food on the table, but we want to be with you. And I wonder if Jesus is just like, you're doing all this stuff. But I just want to be with you. I just want to spend time with you. It's not about what you can do. It's not about your education, the degrees that you have. It's not about the exams. It's not about the money. It's not about the finance. It's about spending time with me. That's all I've ever wanted. The one thing. Will you just give me the one thing? Because when you focus on the many things, you end up with nothing. But when you focus on the one thing, guess what? You get all the things. The Gospel of Matthew says this. Pop it up. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? And all things. Look at this. This is weird, huh? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. See, when you make God and his kingdom the priority and foundation of your life, his provision has a place to land. His provision has a place to land. Because when you put him first, you can build, you can add, because, look, your talent will take you to places where your character can't keep you. Your gift will take you somewhere where your character integrity will never keep you. You need to have a foundation. You need to be set in, in, on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And when you make God the priority, his provision always has a place to land. So what is your source? What's fueling your thoughts? What's the stuff inside of you that just, that just keeps you going? And uh, I want to ask you this question. And the band can come up. We're about to close here. What does it look like to behold him? What does it look like to behold him? Vulnerability with God. I know you've been through some things. I know that you've, you've been through some trials and tribulations. You've been through some stuff this year that has hurt you and broken you and crushed you. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're going through depression. Maybe you're going through a, a, just a season in your life right now where you, you're feeling hopeless. You're feeling like you're in a place of despair. You're, you're feeling like you just can't go any further. Jesus wants you to know if you just spend time doing the one thing, if you just spend time in his presence, if you just spend time on the glory of God and beholding the glory of God in front of you, if you would just spend time on that, he would begin to do something so miraculous in your life, in your heart, that it wouldn't be nothing short but a miracle. I believe God wants to break off chains of depression. I believe that God wants to break off the thoughts and destructive thoughts of anxiety that have plagued your life. I, I believe that God 
who say greater works than these will you do actually wants to free you so that you can go ahead and free somebody else around you. I believe in a, in a God who depression is nothing, anxiety is nothing, the fears and the worries of this life. He said this, he said, in this world you will have many troubles. But he said, do what? He said, take some heart, somebody, because I have overcome the world. It's not about you. It's about my power inside of you. It's about the hope of glory that is within you. And there is no devil in hell. There is no hound of hell. There is no witch or warlock. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is nothing in this universe, no principality or power that can separate you. Listen to what I'm saying. Angels or demons, heaven or earth, hell or high water, ain't nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Ain't nothing. That's love like you've never known before. Because we taught that it was conditional upon what you could do. But God taught that it's conditional upon what his son did on the cross. And he lived a perfect life. And he died a felon's death. And he was raised from the grave on the third day by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, he puts it in you. puts it in you. The same power that has victory over death, the same power that gave life to the body of Jesus, God puts in you and he says, greater works, greater works will you do, greater things will you do because I'm putting my spirit inside of you and you're going to see some amazing things happen and the invitation of heaven is this, that greater works will you do because of me because I'm inside of you, because I'm the God who's over your storm. Hebrews says this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Just keep going, just keep going. Just keep looking ahead. Just keep moving forward. Just keep putting one foot in front of the next and keep your eyes fixed on the one thing and he will do all the rest. He will do all the rest. Father God, we're just praying right now, God, for somebody here tonight who is just struggling. They're battling, God. They're, they're going through something that they've never been through before and, and they don't know what tomorrow holds. They don't know what tomorrow brings, but God, you do. You're the God who holds their future in their hand. You're the God who has set them apart from the time that they were born. You knitted them together with purpose in their mother's womb, that their life has a calling, has a divine purpose, has something else for them that they haven't yet tapped into. They haven't yet seen it. And maybe it's their greatest weakness. Maybe it's their greatest struggle. Maybe it's their greatest obstacle that they face. It's actually the strongest thing that you made about them. Father God, give them the strength and the power to keep going, to keep believing, to keep hoping, to set them free. They would bloom and grow and prosper and flourish in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.